0: Hey folks, welcome back to business strategy. This is episode two, and today we're going to be talking about how to get started with strategy. In the first episode, we discussed what strategy is, and I outlined the fundamental principles of strategy, and I explained what makes this approach completely different from anything else that you'll find out there in the world of business. The reason why it's different, remember, is because I believe value is created at the intersection of strategy and finance. If you don't have those two functions married together, then all you have is some marketing plan full of platitudes or just a to-do list. If you're all about finance, then basically you're trying to drive value through a budget and that doesn't work either. So at the intersection of strategy and finance, that's where real value is driven, and that's why I'm so passionate about strategy because remember, when you can drive value within an organization, it impacts so many people's lives. And I believe that business is a great vehicle to be a good influence out there in the world and to impact people's lives and communities on a macro level. So today, what I wanna do is I wanna explain the four parts... Of getting started with strategy. And this is a framework that I've used over and over again to turn around and grow organizations. Okay, so there are four parts. The first part is diagnose, second is design, the third is execute, and the fourth is empower. Diagnose, design, execute, and empower. Now, each of these parts have subparts, which I'm gonna walk you through. And so if you can imagine, do you remember the game Candyland? Or just think of your favorite board game where you start at one point on the board and you move some figurine or something along the board, along this serpentine path to the promised land. That's what I'm doing here. So if you can envision this, I'm walking you through each of these steps in order to get to a place where you are building an enduring organization that is producing a tremendous amount of value. Okay. So let's go ahead and get started with diagnose and diagnose has two main steps. The first step is get benchmarked. When you start the strategy process, the first thing that you need to do is benchmark your organization's performance. So what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is that you need to look at your organization's financial performance. We'll focus on that. There's other operational metrics that you can use as well. But just to keep things consistent on an apples to apples basis across organizations, I think the best thing to do is to benchmark your financial performance. So you're going to want to look at your income statement, the balance sheet, and the statement of cash flows. Now, when it comes to benchmarking your organization, there are five main categories that I want you to focus on. The first one is liquidity. Second is margin. Third is growth. Fourth is leverage. And fifth is asset management. Now I'm going to share with you a few examples of different metrics or ratios that you can use in order to get started. But by no means is this a comprehensive list. Also, if you're listening to this podcast and you're driving around, or maybe you're exercising, you're at the gym. I know a lot of audience members reach out to me and they say, I love your podcast. I listen to it every day when I work out. I imagine you're not walking around the gym with a piece of paper and a pen so that's why you'll want to download the Boosting Your Financial IQ app. It's a free app that you can download from the Apple or Google Play Store. And within that app, I'll continue to upload different resources that you can come back to and reference. Now, I'm not going to have every single thing in there, but I did get some feedback from the audience asking me to provide some of this stuff in writing, and I'll, I'll continue to do that. I'll either put it in the episode description or I'll put it in the app as separate resources. That's my promise for you is just to continue to provide these resources in different formats. But for now, I'm just gonna go ahead and list this stuff out. So if you need to come back to this part of the podcast and you can write this stuff down when you're in a setting that enables you to do that. So I know that it's hard to follow along with some of these things when I'm spitting them out really quickly, but at least you know they're here in the podcast and you could go back, replay it, and write it down for yourself. Okay, so let's go through the five things in a little bit more detail. So number one, in liquidity, in the liquidity section, some ratios may include cash flow from operations divided by current liabilities. You could look at the current ratio, days of cash, and some type of EBITDA coverage. You could do EBITDA, EBITDA coverage, EBIT, EBIT EBIT-A coverage, taking out depreciation. So there are a lot of different metrics there, but you want to examine your liquidity, and then you want to compare yourself to peers. That's the whole point of benchmarking, is looking at your financial performance compared to other peers in your industry or peers that are the same size as your organization. The next section is margin. So in order to evaluate your margin, you could look at your EBITDA margin, you could look at fixed cost to sales, your gross margin, net income margin, or your cash profitability. Moving on to growth. I like evaluating your change in revenue, your reinvestment rate, your change in net income. You could look at your net operating profit after tax, the growth year over year, and you could also look at your free cash flow growth. So those five things will help you to understand what your growth performance has been like in that section of your business. The next category is leverage. Some ratios that I like for leverage include long-term debt to asset ratio, debt to equity ratio, debt service coverage, and then debt to EBITDA or debt to EBITDA, taking out depreciation or debt plus leases to EBITAR. Any or all of those metrics are a great way to measure leverage. And then the last section is your asset management, your return on assets, your cash conversion cycle, your accounts receivable, less sales. Any of those items will help you to understand how well you're performing with asset management. So those are the five areas that you could focus on to get benchmarked, liquidity, margin, growth, leverage, and asset management. Now, feel free to add other metrics in there. Like I said, this is not a comprehensive list. This is just a starting point for you and your organization. And then depending on your industry, there may be other metrics or key performance indicators that you use or that are available to help you get benchmarked. But the idea here is before you get going with your strategy, the first step is to benchmark your performance and to understand how your organization is competing compared to your peers. Now you may be sitting here thinking to yourself, well, Steve, that's great, but number one, I don't have access to this data, so how the heck do I do it? Or number two, maybe you don't have access internally because your business hasn't been established for a long enough period for you to have this data. Or number three, you may say, look, we don't have any competitors to benchmark ourselves against because we are so unique, we're a different business model, nothing else relates, so let me address each of those. Number one, there are a lot of resources online that will give you access to industry data or just financial data of similar sized companies. Now, sometimes you have to pay for this data. Otherwise, you could just find generic information out there. So that's one way to do it. Maybe you have a mentor or other peers or other competitors that are friendly in the marketplace that will share information with you or at least some type of range. But whatever you do, try to benchmark yourself against the competitor. And here's a quick caveat on that. I would say benchmark yourself against your competitive set. And these are companies that are your true rivals. So if you're a beverage company, don't benchmark yourself against Coca-Cola if you're just starting out. Obviously, their numbers are gonna to be totally different from yours. Now, sure, you can use some metrics just to gauge where you're at from that perspective. However, you're not gonna to want to compare yourself to a competitor that is in a totally different league than you, so I say benchmark yourself to your competitive set. What if you're just in the early stages of your business? Or what if your accounting system is just a mess and you can't even pull this data? That's fine, okay, but start somewhere. Even if you can't measure all those five areas that I talked about, liquidity, margin, growth, leverage, asset management, maybe all you could do is measure your growth. And maybe all you could do is measure your user growth or the number of new customers or your credit card sales, or whatever it is, whatever segment of your business it is, start somewhere, start defining what are the key metrics of your business. You'll start measuring it, collecting data, and then you could benchmark yourself over time to those organizations. Number three, if you say to yourself, well, look, Steve, we're in a totally different area, and there's no companies that do anything similar to us. I'd say, okay, fair. I always think there are competitors. Maybe early on there aren't, but then I would try to compare yourself to similar sized companies and just try to find companies in a competitive set that make sense. So even if you're not selling the same products and services, at least try to find companies that are comparable in some regards. Okay, so that's the first step of the diagnose journey is getting benchmarked. The second step is measuring your performance and health. Okay, so to measure your performance and health, you're gonna wanna use a comprehensive tool that will allow you to evaluate all parts of your business, okay? And then including benchmarks is also a great part of this step as well. So in the first step, get benchmarked, you're measuring the financial performance of the organization. When I say measure your performance and health, there are a lot of different areas beyond just the financial side of your company. So for example, at Cultivar, We use software called Mative, and this is our proprietary software that we use with companies. And within this software, we have a tool called the PHS, the performance health score. So I'm just gonna walk you through the categories that we use to measure, just so you understand what areas you should be measuring for yourself. If you want access to this performance and health score tool, just reach out to me. You can email me at contact at cultivar.com, and I'll set you up with this for free just because you're listening. But this is a great tool and how it works is you send out this assessment to everybody in the organization or whoever you want to send it out in the organization. I think the more people who take it, the better. It'll ask them a series of questions. We have built-in algorithms within this assessment so you can really understand what people are thinking and gauge the true performance of your organization. Once these assessments are taken automatically, all these results are compiled together and then it shoots out a score in these different areas that I'm gonna walk you through. And this is a great tool because it's a visual. You can see how you score in each of these areas. I'm not gonna walk through every single detailed area, but there are a lot of different touch points and you'll be able to identify very quickly where the problems exist within your organization. And this is helpful before you get into the designing phase of strategy. Otherwise you're just walking into this blindly and you think you need a strategy in this area of your business. But the reality is is that you're suffering or you're underperforming in an area that is really hurting your organization but you may not even know about it. Okay, so this PHS, like I said, you can use this tool for free. Just reach out, contact at cultivar.com. I'll do a demo, set you up, put it, put you on it for free. No obligation, no gimmicks, no high pressure sales thing. There's nothing. I I just want to give you this tool so you can use it because this will get you started, and I think this is a, a great resource just for being a part of the community here. Okay, so in order to evaluate overall performance, we wanna look at three main areas, strategy, leadership, and financial performance. Within each of these, you have the six P's, and I wrote about this in my first book called Delivering Value. It's, it talks about the six P's. I wrote about, I wrote this years ago. So these six P's are broken down two per category, strategy, leadership, and finance. Let me explain those to you. So under strategy, you have purpose and plan under leadership. You have people and process and under finance, you have product and profit. Now under each of these, you're going to have other detailed metrics. So for example, under purpose, we measure significance and clarity, accuracy, and alignment, culture, employee involvement under people. Under leadership, we measure openness and trust, innovation and creativity, employee engagement, talent acquisition. Under process, we measure technology and automation, the customer experience, and so on and so forth. So as you can see, there are all these different touch points within the PHS, but it'll give you a score and then it'll show you where you stack up against competitors so you can pinpoint exactly where you need to focus your strategy efforts. So that's the diagnose phase, which includes the two things, like I said, get benchmarked and measure performance and health. And those two things will help you to understand your business, how it's competing currently and where you need to focus your attention when you move into the next phase, which is design. Okay. So the first step in the design phase is learning the strategy model. This is important because you want to learn the process for designing and implementing a strategy. And in order for you to be successful with your strategy within your organization, you have to teach the key people how to use the strategy model. So it involves education as step one. You have to understand how strategy works, what the model is, what the framework is, the fundamental principles of strategy, like I explained in the first episode, but in a lot more detail, when you learn the strategy model and you align everybody on one approach, then you start moving really fast. But that's the first step, learning the strategy model. So that includes some training. That includes getting people to listen to this podcast within your organization so everybody gets aligned on the approach. Or it may involve reading a book. You can read my book, Outsizing, Okay, that's a cheap and easy way to get caught up to speed on my approach to strategy. You can read other books, okay? I'm not just advocating my stuff. There are a lot of other great strategy books out there, but whatever approach you follow, you have to learn the strategy model. Learn the approach, learn the framework, so you get everybody aligned. Otherwise, what I see is that organizations, they get together and leaders are coming from different backgrounds, different companies, different schools, and they all have a different approach to strategy. Then it's just gonna get super sloppy. I remember when I was 16 years old, it was really cool to like tint the windows on your car, put some rims on it, put those big subwoofers in the back, and you just had all these like gizmos and gadgets attached to your car. You know, it was ridiculous. I mean, it, I thought it was so cool, but in fact, it's like super cheesy. So don't be like that. Don't be like the car going down the road with like that muffler, the tinted windows, the the bling bling going off your rims, all this stuff. Like all these gizmos and gadgets, like popping off your car, and uh, you know, it looks all ghetto and stuff. So instead, learn a framework, learn an approach, align everybody on one way to do it, and then move forward to the next step, which is creating the structure. Structure is so critical. I'm a huge advocate of structure. Anytime I'm working with organizations, I always say, if you have a bad structure, the structure will always win. What I mean by that is that your organizational structure, how it's set up from a corporate standpoint, how your entities are laid out. Do you have a hold co or are they LLCs? Are they S corps? How are they connected together? Do you have different product lines and separate business entities with their own EINs? Or like, what does it look like from a a corporate standpoint? But then from an organizational standpoint, what does your org structure look like? And you have to get that right early on. Otherwise it's gonna be really hard to be successful when executing a strategy. And I can tell you, a lot of companies need help when it comes to structuring the organization. That's where I spend the bulk of my time when I'm doing a turnaround because if you don't get the structure right, nothing else matters. You put a good employee in a bad structure, the structure will always win. So getting the structure right starts with mapping out your organizational structure. Start with the corporate structure level. So lay out all your entities. You could put them in little boxes, draw them out on a piece of paper. If you are much simpler than that, maybe you just have one entity, that's fine. Move on to the next step and you're going to want to explore, okay, what does our organizational structure look like? Who's sitting in what seats? What responsibilities do they have? You know, what does the overall decision rights flow look like? Who's making decisions? Who's making approvals? You know, who's responsible for what p Are you organized in divisions? Are you a matrix-based organization? Whatever it is, you're going to want to look at the structure of your overall company and you want to get that right. Okay, so that's the second part of the design phase. And then finally, you're going to want to build the blueprint. And I'm going to do a whole separate episode on how to build a strategy blueprint, This is where you're gonna take the lessons learned from your strategy approach. You're gonna use these principles that I'm teaching you here, and then you're gonna craft a strategic blueprint which will allow you to go out there and execute, to go win. Okay, so this is your executable document that you're gonna create. That's the design phase. The next phase is execute phase. This includes setting up your IARs, which involves initiatives, actions, and results. Okay, so I developed this framework a long time ago. I wrote about this in my second book called Outsizing, but essentially what I found is that goals, okay, if you don't break goals down into their component parts, which includes an initiative, an action, and a result, then it's hard to set and achieve meaningful goals. So I've always set goals ever since I was a little kid. I was just a weird nerd like that. I always just set goals and that's how my life is guided. But what I found through years and years of doing this and working with companies is that goals, they could be very broad and very general, but if you don't have the component parts broken out, there's this lack of specificity, which allows you to scale your goals across a major organization. So maybe you set goals in your life and you're like, okay, it's simple. I set a goal. I achieve it. I mark it off. That's fine. But imagine trying to set a meaningful goal for an organization and trying to scale that out at all levels of the organization. Mm-hmm. So that's why I like breaking it down in their component parts, initiatives, actions, and results. Initiatives, these are high-level things that you're going to do to overcome your strategic problem. More on this later in a different episode. I'll, I'll have to go into more detail on how IARs work. But overall, initiatives, they're high-level. They help you to overcome your strategic problem. They're typically one to three years out but defining those is gonna be really important. Then you're gonna define what actions you're gonna take in order to advance your initiatives, those are your actions, and that's where you're gonna get really specific on who's doing what, what are the deadlines, what are the accountabilities, and then you move on to the results. And these are the key measures that you will use in order to evaluate whether or not your strategy is working. So I call those IARs, you may call them something else like OKRs, or you may have your own approach for executing strategy, but whatever your approach is, make sure you're taking your goals and you're breaking them down into component parts that are actionable and you can actually implement them. Okay, moving on to the next part of the execute phase. This includes defining roles. You're gonna wanna make sure you define roles within your organization. Who's doing what? What do decision rights look like? What are their key responsibilities? What are their success measures, but everybody needs to understand exactly what their role is within an organization. This is a big downfall of the execute phase and what I see within organizations. There's a lot of good intentions. People try to write job descriptions, but at the end of the day, people have to understand what their role is. And I believe that job descriptions aren't sufficient because here's the deal. Job descriptions are great when you're hiring employees, but when it comes to talent management, they're not enough. And I see organizations, they take a job description, they'll list out a bunch of things, and then they may include a bullet point at the end that says, and all other responsibilities that are related to your job or that are assigned to you. And that's just a catch-all phrase. So what I found is that when I was a CFO, I had multiple controllers reporting to me. And I would get frustrated with them sometimes because I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like you're working so hard, but like you're missing this, you're missing the whole point of that. Or you're not producing the financial statements in time or in a manner, which allows our business unit leaders to go out there and execute. Well, what I realized is that that was my fault. They're great controllers. They did an excellent job, but it was my poor leadership. And it goes back to a lack of specificity. That's when I realized that a big part of defining roles is also defining success measures. But I went back to my controllers and said, here are the five ways that I'm going to measure success with your role. And that really helped them. And that provided the clarity that they needed in order to thrive in their position. Also, the decision rights. I had to outline, okay, what things can you make decisions on on your own? Which items require authority? And once again, that clarity helped them as well. So they understood what their swim lane was, and they felt this sense of autonomy to go out there and just execute in their role. So defining roles is the second part of the execute phase. And then the, the last part is leading meetings. So you want to have a process where you're reviewing your strategy and your financial performance every single month. Every single month, you're meeting with key leaders within your organization. This may include PL leaders, you leaders, know, your CEO, your executive team people from FinOps and whoever else you may choose to be in these meetings, but the key is to have a consistent process where every single month you're meeting to review your strategy, look at your financial performance by evaluating the income statement, the balance sheet, and the statement of cash flows, and then making adjustments and using your financials as that report card to determine what's working and what's not. So those meetings are a critical part of the execute phase. Too many companies, they'll spend all this time up front diagnosing their business, designing the strategy, and then when it comes to execution, they push those meetings off, they say they're too busy, whatever it may be, and the next thing you know, they're not executing well because there's not a system to build, measure, and learn. The last phase is the empower phase. And there are three main sections of this phase. Number one is explore resources. This is where you wanna look around and see, okay, what resources are at our fingertips that will allow us to be successful and to push the strategy forward. Maybe you need more capital. You need to go out there and raise debt or equity capital. Maybe you need new technology within your business to streamline some processes and create efficiencies. Maybe you need to adopt things like artificial intelligence or video conferencing, or you need to make some key hires, whatever it may be, but explore the resources that you need in order to be successful in executing your strategy. Number two is boost business acumen. We spend a lot of time with organizations helping leaders to understand not just the financial statements, but how to be better business leaders. You can have the best strategy in the world. You could diagnose your business, pinpoint exactly where the opportunities may lie. You may design a strategy, you're executing your meeting on a monthly basis, but if you're not growing intellectually, if you're not building new skill sets and capabilities with your team through this phase of boosting business acumen, look, you're gonna have a hard time keeping up with the competition and being successful in rolling out your strategy. So that's why I think this is such a critical step of boosting business acumen. And look, just by listening to this podcast, you're already doing that. So congratulations. The last part is joining a community. So you're not going about this alone. That's why I have the Boosting Your Financial IQ community, the app. Like I said, you could join it for free. You know, all this stuff I'm just trying to help you out with. You have the PHS. I'll get that to you for free. Sign up for the app. You can get that for free. All these resources are for you. This podcast is for you. I want to help you Be successful. So, joining a community, whether it's with me, or maybe you don't like me, or you don't like my podcast, or you think, oh, whatever, this is way too self promotional, whatever, I'm not trying to promote anything. Whatever it is, just join a group of people that are like minded and that have the same ambitions as you. So, you feel supported as you go out there and execute. Because, look, you're going to create a strategy, you're going to execute. Things may be going well, but inevitably, things are gonna be bad sometimes. And I have dark days in business. And that's why I have my own community too of just like-minded peers that I could call up at any point in the day. You know, just a couple weeks ago, I was struggling with something and I was able to reach out to some of my friends. And I consider them my tight-knit community. So I reached out to my friend Rich and Robert and we had a great phone call and they supported me. So whoever you use to get support, your mentor, your coach, a peer group, you know, the community that I mentioned whatever it is, but have that community to support you through this process. What you want to do though is you want to connect with a community that follows a similar approach or at least a methodology, ideology, but also has a diversity of experiences and backgrounds. So you don't want to just get caught in this myopic trap where everybody thinks the same and you just have groupthink. Instead, you want to be in a community that's following one approach, they're moving in the same direction, but they have divergent thoughts and ideas and experiences because that's what it will allow you to thrive. If you get into a group and they don't even have alignment on the same approach, then everybody's just trying to build their own metaphoric mousetrap. And that's just not going to get you very far. You're going to waste so much time trying to get aligned on an approach instead of spending time sharing divergent and diverse experiences and ideas. Okay, so that's the approach. That's how you could get started with strategy. Let me walk you through that one more time because I know I, I went through that and it's a lot to listen to, but let me just try to give you a quick recap. There are four phases, diagnose, design, execute, and empower. Within those phases, there are steps. Here are the steps. Number one is to get benchmarked, to understand how you're competing compared to others in your industry or that are similar to your business in some manner. The second one is to measure your performance and health. Remember that dives deeper into areas beyond just your financial performance. Then you're moving on to step three, which is learn a strategy model. This will allow you to get aligned on one approach, an approach with sound strategy fundamentals, which will allow you to drive greater firm value. After you do that, create the right structure. That's step number four. Number five is build a blueprint. This is going to outline how you're going to go out there and execute your strategy Then you're going to define your IARs, your initiatives, actions, and results, and manage those IARs, define roles, and then lead this regular meeting. Okay, those are the next three steps of the execute phase. Then you get into exploring resources, see what's around you, right? Partnerships, capital, employees, whatever it may be, but explore the resources that you need to strengthen your organization. Then you're going to boost business acumen by upskilling your employees, by building new skill sets, by acquiring new capabilities. And then the last step is joining a community of like-minded peers. So you don't have to go about this on your own and you have the support that you need to make it through the good times and through the hard times. That's how you get started with strategy. I hope that you found this helpful. Please join me for the next episode of business strategy, where I will walk you through the components of of a strategy blueprint. And in the meantime, take care of yourself. Cheers. Hey, real quick, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have business questions and you want to be featured on this podcast, send me an email at contact at cultivar.com and either type out your question or send a video or voice recording stating your name, your location, and what's on your mind. If you want to increase your financial intelligence, be sure to check out my other podcast called Boosting Your Financial IQ. All right. You have new knowledge. Go out there and execute. And until next time, cheers. Hey, real quick. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have business questions and you want to be featured on this podcast, send me an email at contact at cultivar.com and either type out your question or send a video or voice recording stating your name, your location, and what's on your mind. If you want to increase your financial intelligence, be sure to check out my other podcast called Boosting Your Financial IQ. All right, you have new knowledge, go out there and execute. And until next time, cheers.